Church, my heart is so burned and broken. And I sought God whether this was for the church. My pastor confirmed it. I was sitting in my chair. When you're at the house and you can't do anything, you've got time to talk to God and listen to Him. I guess you would call it a vision. But I was in the vestibule sitting in this chair, and there was a few people right around. And then a couple, I mean a family come in, a man and a lady, a little boy, about the size maybe for these kids, dressed in a, a suit, just a Pentecostal little boy. You could tell a little old church boy been raised on the pews. When they got in, they stopped right where the little room is where you change the baby's diapers. And they stopped there, and the man and the lady was kind of chatting with somebody. The other lady, you could tell she was a grandma, and she was standing by the little boy. <laughs> Forgive me if I break down, I'm hurt. But the little boy just stood there for a minute and backed up against the wall. And then he started just sliding down that wall and just fell over. And nobody seemed to notice him. I said, he's sick. That baby is sick. They just looked at him. I said, push me to him. Push me to him. I got to help him. Somebody pushed me up to him, but I couldn't reach him. I tried to reach him, but I couldn't get a hold of him. The grandma just stood there like say something's wrong. I laid my hand on the grandmother. I kept on praying. I was speaking in tongues and crying. I just prayed and kept praying. And then somebody, somebody reached, put their little hand in mine and said, He's not dead. He's not dead yet. He's going to live. When I come to out of my vision, I was crying and speaking in tongues. Church that died in our church. Our children, yes, they're worshiping, but they died in this church because we're not aware of it. They come, they do what mom and daddy and grandma tells them to do. But do they hear us pray up in the night? Do they wake up and hear us praying for their soul? They just come in because we're telling them to. They come in because they're watching. You go to church. That little boy had that little Pentecostal suit on, and he was here, but he was dying. And my shot on the whole shot day I see. You know, Rabbi, grandparents, you better get a hold of God for these babies. We worry about our teenagers. They start dying little. They start dying because they don't really know what they're worshiping. They don't really know what that Bible tells them to do and how to live. This is not a rebuke, but it's a warning. God showed it to me. We're losing our babies by the time they get up grown. They're ready to go out in that world because they don't know what they believe. All they know is what mama said. 
Let them hear you when they go to bed at night. Let them hear you praying for their soul. Yasha, Yasha, no. Yasha, no, 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 no. Father, we call upon the name of the Lord right now. Oh, Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me all over this building. We're fixing to go to the word of the Lord, but I want you to listen. Unbeknownst to Sister Beatsy, she hadn't been able to make it because of the uh, some, some ailments and things going on. She had no clue what I announced and, 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 and changes made to Sunday school. But you listen, this is not an indictment against these children. I don't want uh, young people and children, I don't want you to think that pastor's mad. I'm not mad at anybody other than the devil. I told you about promotion requirements, certain things that they had to learn to be able to promote. This is done out of a pure heart and motives, which is I want them to have foundation. When I went to each of their classes, what beginning three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, seven, eight-year-old, and, and on and on, I couldn't find any of them until I got, there was one in junior high and I believe two or three in high school that could tell me Deuteronomy 6 and 4. None of them. Acts 2.38 was a hit and miss as I got to the older classes. They didn't know it. I'm not mad at them. Somewhere along the way, we just got the mindset thinking that, oh, we're in church every Sunday and Wednesday. They're good. They're good. But they don't know it. And they're going off to college. And they're going out in the world. And we're losing them. Because they don't know it in here. This is a this is a God sounding the alarm for the church. And it would behoove us to take it serious. You can't expect a Sunday school teacher to do in 45 minutes enough to save them when they turn 18. Those Sunday school teachers are giving up their, their time, their energy, and they're doing the best they can to put that word in them and to help them. But if it's not being taught, the, what, in, in, in Deuteronomy, it says, you, when they wake up, you talk about, here are the Lord our God is one Lord. 
talk about it in the home. And the church should reinforce what's already happening in the home. Amen. Thank you, Sister Beatsy, for sharing what the Lord has laid on your heart. And I believe that we're taking the right steps. I'm hearing our Sunday school teachers quote scriptures with them. They have a list of things that they need to know. And parents, if you don't do anything but start with one verse, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Just quote it with them. Takes literally two seconds. Amen. As you worship your way back to your seats, I, I do know what time it is and I will not be long, but I do know what the Holy Ghost has spoken to my heart. As you remain standing, we're going to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 21, Romans 6 and 13. Those of you that fall in the age group of hyphen, 18 to 29, single or married, we're going to meet in the men's prayer room after service, so please come join us for a quick tag in, and uh, thank you for doing that. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage under the Mount of Olives, they then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. And all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and the colt the foal of an ass. And the disciples went, did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass of the colt and put on them their clothes, and they set him before, uh, set him thereon. A very great multitude spread their garments, and the way others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who? Is this Romans six thirteen? Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I want to preach just for a few moments on this thought: your greatest ability, your greatest. Ability. Lord Jesus, over the next few minutes, I need you, Lord, to begin to speak to people's hearts. I don't want people to leave here tonight without receiving everything the Lord has in store for them. Open our hearts, God. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say, and Lord, hearts to receive it in Jesus' name. Clap your hands unto the Lord as you're being seated. Amen. We're living in a day where people are enamored by talent. There are shows that bring people from all over the world to display their talent. The internet is full of uh, people who can do things that others cannot do and they're making millions by promoting themselves on, on social media 
and the world is just enamored. I have learned that there will always be someone that can do better. There's going to be somebody that can run faster, somebody that can jump higher, somebody that can hit the ball further, farther, whatever. There's going to be somebody that's going to break an Olympic record. Records are being broke at breakneck speeds because talent is just rising and increasing. And we limit ourselves, not by our ability, but we limit ourselves by our thinking. If you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're right. Because if you think you can, you will. And if you think you can't, you won't. The question is not whether you can or you can't. The question is, will you at least step out and begin to try? The world is full of comparisons. People compare families. They compare homes. They compare jobs. They compare lifestyles. They compare everything they are against someone else. And I want to talk to some young people and, and maybe uh, those who have social media. I want you to remember that what you see on social media is not the real world. It is what people want you to believe. I don't have social media. But people will, throughout the years have told me things. And, and, and I want you to know, if you use terminology like this, I'm not making fun of you. I don't know if you do or you don't. I'm just telling you, you sound like a moron if you do. My hubby. Gag. Who talks like that? Okay? Usually, people who post all of this, this stuff on their feed or page or whatever it is, I don't know what they call it, but they post all this stuff. They are trying to project what they want you to think they are, not what they really are. It's a virtual world. It's not the real world, okay? You don't know 5,000 people. How can you have 5,000 friends when you don't know 5,000 people? You define, you're defining yourself by likes. You're defining yourself by follows and retweets. I tried Twitter years ago. Realize it's ignorant people. I want you to think about how stupid this is. This is what they do, okay? I'm talking about preachers. Let's just say, okay, I'm trying to explain how Twitter works. Twitter is you can, you can make a post. Uh, I had a banana for breakfast, okay? All right, something stupid. That's what people do. But let's just say I preached at a conference, and Brother Glenn had Twitter, okay? And he put on Twitter, Brother Stevenson did a great job, powerful service, okay? He put that on Twitter. Well, there's preachers that will go and retweet what somebody said about them. 
That'd be like me going, hey, hey, Brother Glenn said I preach great. Who does that? Who does that? It's gumbo tonight, buddy. But we're in a world that is so insecure that they're trying to find value from other people. And there, there is literally a psychological term called FOMO. It's called fear of missing out. And people are suffering from it because they're looking at other people's vacations on Instagram and they're going, I've never been to Aruba. I can't tell you where Aruba is, okay? I've never been over, I've never done that. I've never, and so they're, they're having mental breakdowns because other people's worlds are better than theirs. Can I tell you, it would help your sanity if you turned off your social media for a month and got back in touch with the real world and real people and real friends. ourselves, we establish a false standard in our mind as to what someone has to be or achieve to be somebody. Can I tell you that anybody, or I want to ask you this, has anybody ever grown up broke but didn't know you were broke? Or maybe not broke, poor, what you just didn't know that you went without. Okay? Because you were content with your world. I remember my mama, three brothers, my mama had three of us in three years. And so when, when we got to get older and buy shoes, you know where we went? Walmart. Everything you need to exist, you can get at Walmart. Now, you may not like it, but you can get it there. And, and so money was tight. And, and, Mama would splurge, and we would get Spalding pump-up shoes. You guys, they had those. Y'all remember they had a basketball on them. And the more you pump, the higher you jump. Lie. False advertisement. I'd pump them till I couldn't even. Circulation was, you couldn't even feel it. I'm still averaging about that right there. But that was the splurge, getting those Spaldings. And so she would buy these cotton pants. I call them MC Hammer pants. They had elastic on the bottom that kind of was big. I don't know. We couldn't afford your bow, couldn't spell your bow, much less afford them. And, and they had a T-shirt that matched it, and the pants had all kind of crazy designs on it. And she'd, they'd get us you know, a set per day for a week to wear to school. And I mean, I sported like I was the stuff wearing my, my matching outfit. I didn't know that it was, you were wealthy if you wore jeans. I had cotton MC Hammer pants and a t-shirt and pump-ups. Until one day in fourth grade, this kid in school said, why don't you ever wear jeans? I didn't know that you were somebody if you wore jeans. And he got to wear Tommy Hilfiger jeans and Jabot jeans because he came for money. And I thank God. 
I thank God that I didn't allow an idiot to dictate who I was. I'm, I was just happy to be there. We got to get over this comparison trap where we're comparing who we are against everybody else. Think, can I tell you, you're a blessed person. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed at home. You're blessed when you come. You're blessed. It doesn't matter what you have down here. We So much comparing. We're living in a world that celebrates ability. Singing and doing and playing. I don't want to sound like I'm against anybody, so please don't misread into what I'm saying. It's going to sound ugly, but I'm not being ugly. I want you to see where I'm coming from. I've seen people come to God and be paraded across platforms. They were going to go play college basketball. They were going to go play college baseball. Who gives a flying flip? Are we so enamored with college baseball and college basketball? How about people that are going to be Bible quizzers? How about people that are going to youth camp? Hey, if we're going to celebrate people, let's celebrate people that are laboring, young people that are laboring for the Lord. We ought not be enamored by the things of the world. Making our young people feel like they're second class because they're not doing those things. Then I give me a young person that can quote scripture any day. Give me a young person that shows up for outreach any day. I'm thankful God pulls people out in the world. But we ought not talk about it like that's the highest standard. It's not the highest standard. Your greatest ability. It's not accountability or believability or credibility or sociability or teachability. That's all I had time to research with the word ability. Let me tell you your greatest ability. Availability. God, whatever you want me to do, I will be here to do it. If it's prayer meeting, I make myself available. If it's choir practice, I make myself available. If it's church on Monday night, I make myself available. God, whatever you want me to do, I just need some young people and some parents to believe me tonight that God can use everybody at Wallace Ridge if you make yourself available. Touch your neighbor and say, God wants to use you. Oh, I'm so proud of our Bible quizzes. Let me tell you, when it's quoting time, the struggle is real. I'm not going to whip them for not wanting to learn Scripture. I thought about it, but I didn't do it. The Holy Ghost restrained me. And you parents know the sacrifice it involves. I want you to be praying because they've got their first tournament this weekend. But I made a, I, I, I know some churches that if they don't learn all the material, that they can't go. Let me tell you, I'm going whether they go or not because I put in just as much work as they put in. And I don't care if they learn 200 verses or two verses, we're going to celebrate the win, which is that word. <laughs> 
So parents, I'm going to give you a scripture to help you. Be not weary in well-doing because it's going to pay off down the road. It's going to pay off. You can't judge the fruit by what you see now. The fruit's going to come in due season when they're still living for the Lord. Matthew 21, and when, and when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, were come to Bethphage under the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you. I'm going to pause right there and tell you this. If God, if you want to be used by God, it means you've got to get out from where you are. God's going to get you out of your comfort zone. See, we want to be used by God and stay comfortable. That's not how God works. He said, okay, i got an assignment for y'all. Go to the other village. Get out of where you're comfortable. And there's, a, there's an assignment waiting on you. Everybody wants to testify about walking on water, but only one was willing to get out of the boat. If you want to be used by God, it will mean that you have to get out of your comfort zone. Building an ark was uncomfortable. Killing a giant was uncomfortable. Marching around walls was uncomfortable. But Romans 6.13 says, Yield yourselves unto God. Yield. Make yourself available for the Lord to use you however he chooses to use you. I want you to put on the screen, Brother Greg, 1 Kings chapter number 19, verse 19 as well. Here we have Elijah, that great prophet of God, and he came in contact with what would be known as his successor. It says, so he departed thence, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he with the 12th. This tells us right now, he wasn't a poor farmer. It was a big operation, and his dad must have been a wealthy man. 12 yoke of oxen, oxen, and Elijah passed by him, and he cast his mantle upon him. Next verse. So he, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother. Let me, and then I will follow thee. In other words, let me go back home. Let, let, let me go back and tell my parents goodbye. He said to him, go back again for what have I done to thee? Next verse. And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave on the people, and they did eat what Elisha was trying to do symbolically. He said, I'm getting rid of what wants to find me, and I'm getting out of my comfort zone. And he said, I'm going to burn the instruments of the plow so I don't have an option to return to what I once was because God is calling me to a higher level. I want this church to know that God is not wanting us to stay in our comfort zone. But if you want to be used by God, you got to be willing to get uncomfortable.
You got to be willing to pray for somebody when you don't feel like praying for them. You got to be willing to step out of your pew and obey the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands under the Lord. You want to you wanna get the Holy Ghost? You're going to have to get uncomfortable. You want to go to an altar? It may mean that you have to walk up here and other people look at you. But I want to tell you this. There ain't a person in this building that's going to be looking at you. That's just going to just stare at you. They're going to be praying for you. And they made a, a trip to an altar one time. They stepped out of their pew and made a decision. If you believe you want God to turn your situation around, you want God to turn your life around, but you can't do it on your terms. You got to be willing to do it on God God's terms. Hey, you got to be willing to say, I, I may be uncomfortable right now, but it's going to be worth it when I respond to the Holy Ghost. He said, okay, you're going to go to this village. Then you're going to find a colt. You're going to find a donkey. And you're going to find a foal, a colt. It's indicative of multiple generations. One was older. One was younger. And scripture said, I need both of them. I need both of them. I've heard people say, well, those... You know, those that younger generation, they're just not living it like we did. You know what? You was once the younger generation. Amazing Grace was once a new song. Somebody didn't like it back then. But we're still singing it. There is a need in the kingdom of God for multiple generations. And I don't expect the young generation to be as solid as the older generation. I don't expect the older generation to start acting like the young generation. You ever know anybody that just never wanted to grow up? At 60 years old, wanting to dress like they're 20. Some things just make you scratch your head. You don't have a mirror. I, I, want you to, I want you to think. Somewhere in your walk with God, you listen to an elder pray. Well, you, you may not have done it intentionally, but you pick up along the way nuggets from people that lived for God successfully before you did. And you, your faith is strengthened when you look at them and say, they made it through that trial. They made it through that situation. And they're still living for God. It takes both. It takes the strength of the young generation. And it takes the wisdom of the older generation to work together. We turn our attention to the book of, of uh, first, Second Kings chapter 3. We saw Elisha when he got hooked up with Elijah, that was the beginning. 
But now we go to 2 Kings 3, verse number 14, and we're going to get a glimpse into Elisha at the end. Go to verse 15. I got the wrong scripture in my notes. The end of Elisha is when Joash, he calls Joash, and he said, open up the window. Come here, buddy. He said, pull that bow back. He was an old man. He had a lot of desire, but he didn't have the strength that he once had. But he understood that it takes the older and the pull. Act like you're going to pull a bow back, buddy. So he, he, he says, pull that bow back. And he said, Keep it, keep it going. He came and he put his hands on him and he guided him in the right direction. He had the desire. He didn't have the strength that he once did. He said, I, I need your strength, but you need my direction just as much as you need your strength. And he said, shoot that arrow out that window. Thank you, buddy. We got to understand. We need the wisdom of the elders that have been praying and fasting and getting us to where we are. But we need the strength of that young generation. We just need some elders to come along aside them and say, let me keep you pointed in the right direction. Let me keep you going. There's still only one Lord. There's still only Acts 2.38. Don't you lose it. We gotta have multiple generations in the church. The younger generation should not feel threatened that the elders are trying to get rid of them. And the older generation shouldn't feel threatened by the younger generation. But rather, we've got to understand that the Lord said, you give me this this, this one donkey, but then you give me that colt too because I need multiple generations to fulfill my destiny. And, 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 and here we are looking at this untrained donkey. Untrained. Anybody ever got on an untrained animal? It's usually not the smoothest ride. And we got people that feel like, I can't sing. I can't preach. I can't do anything. I, I don't have a lot to offer the Lord. Untrained. But when Christ, which was the anointing, sat on it, it fulfilled its purpose. You give me somebody who can't carry a tune in a bucket on a good day. But they made themselves available to the Lord. When the anointing sits on them, they're going to hit every note perfect. Because God's not needing their ability. He just needs their availability. I'm looking at people that the only thing limiting you and God is your own mind. 
Because when God gets a hold of you, he's going to use you to fulfill a purpose that is greater than anything you could ever imagine. You stop trying to tell yourself, I can't do anything for God. I can't be anything for God. I don't have anything to offer God. Yes, you do. You offer him yourself. Takes all kinds. The call of God always trumps the hindrance of man. He told them, he said, you go get them animals. And if anybody tries to hinder you, you tell them, the Lord hath need of these. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Because the call of God always trumps the hindrance of man. Joseph, I know it took you a long time to get to where it looks like I was going to use you at all. And you thought you were hindered. But in fact, you were just being held until I put you in the right position to preserve a nation. Don't you think for a moment that God has to have the who's who. Do you realize I came from a home with a, a backslidden father? I didn't come from a preaching pedigree. I was a knucklehead that people wrote off and said he'll never be anything. But the one thing that they couldn't take from me was the call of God. And the call of God will always trump anything. I had people tell me you'll never do anything for God because you didn't come from a preacher's family. And I would get, I'd watch other preacher's kids get pushed and get promoted. And you know what I'd go do? I'd go to prayer and I'd say, God, if you can use anything. I know I don't have anything to offer. I know I don't come from the right pedigree. I know my father and my mother aren't the who's who. But God, if you can use anybody, I want you to know I'm making myself available to you right now. Hey, your greatest ability is your availability. Stand with me right now. Preacher, you don't know I don't have nothing to bring God. God never asked you to bring anything but yourself. We're the ones that created a standard in our mind that we have to be this. We have to offer this. We have to do this. We're the ones that created that, not God. Here is the standard that God established. Whosoever will. That's it. Whosoever will. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Mr. Joyce, musicians, come. I want that song if you can use anything, Lord. There's people here tonight that you're trying to figure out how you're going to get your life put back together. You're trying to figure out how your situation is going to turn around. You're trying in your own mind to figure out how you're going to pe put the pieces of the puzzle back together on your own. And, and I'm telling you tonight, friend, you're not going to do it yourself. You're not going to do it yourself. But the good news is there's a God in this place 
that you can make a trip to an altar in just a moment. God knows that you don't have nothing to offer him. God knows that you've made a mess. The Bible said all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all wished that we could offer God more, but the beauty of it is God never asked us for, to bring anything. All he wants to know is will you make yourself available? Will you make yourself available? Will you respond to that call of God? I'm preaching to people tonight that you can teach Bible studies. You can invite somebody to church. You may not sing. You may not preach. You can work the nursery. You can fill in in Sunday school if we need teachers. There's things you can do in the kingdom of God. But the one thing I'm asking you not to do is nothing. Don't just consume. Be a contributor to the kingdom of God. If you want to make yourself available, I want you to make your way to this altar and lift your hands to heaven right now. If you want to grab the hand of